0: Hello and Shalom. Welcome to this episode of Image Bearers Radio. I'm your host, Joe Amon. We got a great show ahead, so buckle up and hang on. Here we go. Shalom, shalom, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Image Bears Radio. I am your host, Joe Amaw, pastor at Out of Ashes Ministries in Derrida, Louisiana, coming to you all the way from the corner of the boot, the southwest Louisiana. And uh, it is great to be with you all today. I hope you're all doing fantastically well. I hope you're staying cool wherever you are. Uh, there's a heat wave. A heat wave. I'm oh, sorry. Um, I just randomly break into song sometime. Uh, it's a dad thing. I'm over 40, so I think that's just what you're supposed to do. Uh, as a guy over 40 with kids, uh, it embarrasses them, I know for sure. Anyway, uh, moving on. I hope you're staying cool and safe. Uh, I know I've been working out uh, during the day and uh, working outside during the day around the farm, around the ministry, and it is hot. So please stay safe. If you have jobs where you have to be outside, I really hope your supervisors and bosses have some sense and are helping you guys to stay, guys and gals, to stay safe as well. Uh, We are approaching the fall feast. You might say, wait, hang on a second. We just finished with Shavuot, and we have like a couple of months. Oh, come on. You guys know by now, when we talk about things like Pesach, in between Sukkot and Pesach, I tell you all, and you know it's true, it's going to be here tomorrow. Not literally, but it will feel like it's going to be tomorrow. So, uh, we have a lot of stuff going on between now and Yom Tura, Rosh Hashanah. Um, we have the month of Elul. We have several fasts if you choose to do those. Um, 40 days of Shuva, Then we have Yom Chur Rosh Hashanah. We have Yarmim, Yamim Norim, uh, excuse me, the 10 days of Awe between that and Yom Kippur. And then we prepare for Sukkot. And so it's going to be fast and furious, but awesome. This is such a, uh, a, a time where we should be involved with Hashem uh, in partnership. And of course, as always, with all of the Moedim, a time of introspection. So, uh, for those of you that have asked, uh, some of you guys have asked. And, uh, yes, we are having, we are hosting a Sukkot, uh, here, uh, in, uh, around the, the, the ministry. Uh, it is actually out at our personal farm, my, my in-laws place. And, uh, it's a great time. And so we will have stuff on our website. Uh, hopefully by the end of the week, we have a schedule. We have a little short registration deal just to, you know, kind of let us know who's coming. Uh, we have tent spaces available and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, we have folks already, uh, considering coming in from all over the country. So, uh, and then our local folks, of course, which are awesome. And so if you are looking for a place to keep Sukkot and you feel like, uh, coming down to Louisiana, then we'd love to have you. We just uh, I'll let you know whenever that stuff is up. It will be up by next week's episode for sure, and I'll begin to post uh, links to it in the show notes on Hebrew Nation's website, archive website. Um, and so I'll let you know about that next week. So uh, that's all that's happening. Uh, and so let us go to the Father in prayer before we jump into this week's episode. Avinu Malkinu, Father, King in the heavens, we bless you and we thank you for our opportunity to be together. I thank you so much for Hebrew Nation Radio and for all the guys and gals that make this possible. I pray that everyone who listens is incredibly blessed by the ministry that goes out from here. We love you and we thank you. All right. I also did not mention, which I usually do every show. And I know you guys that listen often are kind of like, come on, do you have to say this every week. Yeah, because I, I mean, I don't, I'm always telling people, hey, you know, there's a lot of great stuff on Hebrew Nation uh, radio. You know, check it out. So there's always new people, new listeners being added uh, to the radio station, hopefully as a whole, and uh, to our show in particular. But just wanted to let you know uh, and say thank you if it's your first time stopping by. And, um, If uh, sometimes our show is a kind of a um, a part two to our Shabbat teaching, sometimes it's something totally different. Uh, Sometimes there's guests, even though I'm not the best at scheduling guests, I really would like to do better. Uh, and I'm just not the best at doing it, but I am, I am going to do better because there's some people I want to talk to about some things that are, they are experts and I am not. So, um, also during the summer, we'll have, uh, Kyle Sylvester. You guys know him from the ministry. He's been on the podcast before, the radio show. Uh, he'll be joining us for some discussions and stuff. So anyway, if it's your first time, thanks for stopping by. I hope you enjoy your time with us and make sure to stop by, uh, and stay, stick around for the rest of the great teachers and stuff on, uh, on Heber Nation. And uh, also, if you, it's your first time and you didn't know, we live stream our Shabbat services uh, each Saturday, each Shabbat at 10 a.m. Central Time. You can find that either on our website at outofashesministries.org or on YouTube. Or if you like to be involved in comments and stuff, then you can find us on Facebook. And we simulcast all those places, and uh, we have a pretty active chat on Facebook. So check us out there. And, uh, yeah, for those of you guys that are long time listeners, this is episode 105. Can you believe it? It's been a little over a year that we've been doing this and, uh, we do one a week. And uh, so we've had, of course, some weeks that we've not done actual episodes or we've done replays or just haven't, haven't had one, but uh, episode 105. So I appreciate you guys sticking around. This is a good bit of work, and uh, I just appreciate uh, the community that uh, we are creating. So what are we talking about today? Well, we are going to be in this week's Parsha. And uh, I know this can be confusing, so depending on what Parsha schedule you look at, um you are either this week in Parsha Shalach or you are in Parsha, Parsha Korach. And why is that? Well, it's because of the way that Passover falls and the way the readings are if you're in the land of Israel versus in the diaspora. Um, and if you are in the land of Israel, you're a week ahead. You are in uh, Korach. And if you're in exile and you, you've kept the, the, the calendar, the Jewish calendar, the way it is today and celebrated Passover and Unleavened Bread, according to that, then you, and Shavuot, then you are in Parsha Shilach. So listen, it doesn't matter. Read the weekly Parsha, study the weekly Parsha, the Haftarah, the New Testament. It doesn't matter where we are. For our purposes, we try to stick pretty closely to the calendar, uh, and whatever it, uh, it entails. And so we are in Parsha Shelach, uh, this week, uh, which means to send, right? Shelach, uh, means to send. And, um, when we have Shelach, we also have Sheliach which are messengers, are sent ones, right, messengers. And so a really fun word study uh, kind of thing is uh, to look at the difference between shaliach, when a shaliach is used, versus when a malach is used, um, because shaliach uh, is messengers, malach is, can be angels, um, and sometimes they're used interchangeably. Sometimes it matters when they're used. So it's a really interesting thing. Anytime you see something about an angel of the Lord or uh, messengers or whatever, it's important to go to the Hebrew, even go to Strong's, and just see which one it is. or Sheliach. Uh, and uh, yeah, always an always an interesting thing. Um, the apostles in the Birkat would have been Shliach. Um, they would have been sent. They would have been sent ones and uh, messengers. So yeah, uh, we're in this week's Parsha. And every year when I read this Parsha, I, I got to give it to you guys. There's a lot. There's a lot in here, right? So uh, there is is the, uh, the sending of the spies. Moshe prays for uh, Yehoshua, Joshua. The spies come back, right, with their report. Um, then you have Joshua and Kalev, which uh, Kalev is an incredible figure. Uh, he is a uh, Kenazite, if I remember right, uh, Kenite, Kenite, I can't remember which one that is. But basically, he's not, he's one of the mixed multitude, right? Kalev is one of the mixed multitude. And what's interesting is that his uh, nation, the, one of the ites, Kenites or Kenazites, I can't remember which one it is, but they are actually some of the ites that are in the land, that they're actually spying out. So it's it's just interesting to think about like, As these spies go through the land, do they have connections in some of these places? Do they have connections in some of these cities? Um, You know, and and all those kinds of things. And Kalev not being a natural-born Israelite is one of the ones that comes back with a good report, which there's a lot to say about, you know, you have an Israelite and a a goy, And so all that kind of stuff. I mean, there's just so much. Um, And and to say that Kalev is faithful to the God of Israel without being a natural-born Israelite, uh, his loyalty is just unreal, and you know another Kalev means loyal, um, but also a derivative of the word, same word for a dog, a canine, which we know as is, is loyalty, right? So, just man, there's so much in there, uh, and then the nation just goes ballistic, right? They they go through a really hard time, uh, and they complain, and oh my gosh, everything's awful, and you know they can't be appeased or or, or you know or settled down or anything like that. And um, so God just goes like, I'm done. I'm done, Moshe. Um, You know, you guys keep pushing my buttons and I'm done. And Moshe talks him down, which this is one of my favorite uh, interactions between Moshe and Hashem because it's a real like those are your kids. No, they're your kids. No, that, you know, (laughs) it's one of those kinds of things. And I just I love every time one of those interactions comes uh, comes up. And so God forgives uh, them based on Moshe's pleas. However, there is still a consequence right? You're, you're forgiven. You'll go into the land, but not yet. They are, Israel is, you know, is on the precipice. They are, they're on the threshold of the land. And God goes, yeah, you'll go in, but like take a lap, right? (laughs) Take a a couple laps actually. Um, And so he decrees the 40 years uh, and all that will be, all that will happen. And it gets pretty hairy, scary, and pretty depressing. Um, and then they go, no, no, no. We're sorry. We'll, you know, we'll take care of it. Guys, no, 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 no. Too late. Uh, and then we have instructions for the libations and the challah, which is interesting to put it here. Uh, and then we have atonement for um, uh, public unintentional idol worship. And I want to make sure I say that correctly. Uh, that happens in chapter fifteen, about verse twenty-three or so. Um, And then we talk about individual idol worship and idolatry. We have uh, Shabbat desecration in the wilderness, which is uh, the man picking sticks. And then we have uh, the commandment for tzitzit. And that's all in Parsha shalak. Holy smokes. There is a lot in this Parsha. But every single year that I read this Parsha, I come back to one verse or a couple of verses. And... It's the verses that when I even before I started reading the Torah, before I started studying and living the Torah, um, it's verses that I picked out like in high school um, when I was really on fire and really, you know, I was reading the Bible through in a year and I did that a few times and. Uh, you know, skip Leviticus and the genealogies and stuff like, like most of us do. Uh, some of us do. I won't be that negative. But, um, you know, I, I really, I was I was seriously interested in Scripture. And I was interested in the Tanakh, uh, you know, what I called the Old Testament then. Uh, I was really interested in the Tanakh and, and these stories and these histories and stuff. And I didn't understand how it all fit together and, you know, why it was important and, and all that kind of stuff. But, um, there's one passage that I remember in high school just absolutely blowing my doors off and so we have these 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 spies and there's so many questions around the spies right there there's so many questions I love the the stone I mean the art scroll how um, much it asks all these questions so um, this the whole spy thing is is kind of weird um, so like why is it necessary to send the spies? as if God's promise wasn't sufficient, right? Like God said it, it's good, but no, there's still this sending of the spies. And then after the, you know, they come back with the the disastrous report and stuff, um, Moshe and Yehoshua, Joshua, actually send similar expeditions in chapter 21 and in Joshua 2. Um, And then why did God allow Moses to send the spies in the first place? Uh, if Moses was in favor of this, why did he blame the people for having the, having made the request? Right, um, and then since Moshe gave the spies, a, he gives them a list of stuff. You know, make sure you check out all this, these different things. Um, then why were they condemned and and punished for telling the truth? Right, they. I mean, here's the deal: any, not even, not even only military strategists. But any businessman, any planner, organizer, pastor, whatever, when they ask people, like, what does it look like? You know, are, are we going to be able to accomplish this goal? You don't want all pleasantries because then there could be something there that could absolutely torpedo your plans. And yet and you don't you know, discuss it and have a plan for it. Um, it, it's just good planning. However, God said it was good and that they were going to take it. And so that's where the, the, the rub is where the issue is. Um, and so, uh, later on Moshe in the book of Deuteronomy, Devarim, Moshe, uh, gives an account of, you know, gives the, the wrap up account of this and, you know, he, he, he paints an equally gruesome picture of the awesome power of the Canaanite nations and and how hard it was. Um, and so then why are the spies punished for saying basically what Moshe would end up saying later, right? Uh, and so I, I really encourage you guys, if you don't have a humash, uh, C-H-U-M-A-S-H, um, I love this art scroll or the stone edition humash. Um, the particular one I have is navy blue. It has the Torah, the Haftarot. Uh, and then the five megillot. uh, that's Esther, Ruth, you know, the five megillot. Uh, and then it has commentary, right. From, uh, rabbinic sources and writings. And again, the, it, that's not important to me because I just wholeheartedly believe everything the rabbis have ever written, but it, it is a great insight into how they see the world, how they see the scripture and, uh, why they believe some of the ways that they do. So it's, it's very, very cool and very interesting. So Uh, We have a list of all the tribes and and blah, 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 blah. And then this is where um, I want to kind of be. When they return with their report, so we're in chapter 13 and verse 27. It says, they reported to him and said, we arrived at the land to which you send us. And indeed, it flows with milk and honey. Just by the way, uh, because I was listening to a Christian program the other day. And they were talking about bees and having been to Israel and like not many, not as many bees there as we thought there would be. And I was like, what? And I realized, and then the other guy was like, yeah, I mean, it's the land flow of milk and honey after all. And I was like, oh, OK, because this is a mistake I made for years and years and years. And some of you may go like, well, duh, but I didn't know. And so just in case, um, milk is generally understood as goat's milk. And honey is not primarily bee honey. Yes, there are bees in Israel, but this is not the kind of honey we're talking about. We're talking about date honey, uh, a fruit honey, uh, which if you have never tasted date honey, hey, get a subscription to Lev HaOlam. Um, It's like a hundred bucks a month. It's fantastically worth it. Supports the land of Israel, uh, supports Jewish uh, business owners. And uh, you get the world's absolute best products, everything from Dead Sea toothpaste to uh, Galilean soap. I mean, just all kind of stuff. Uh, anyway, and you, you, every once in a while, you get some date honey, and it's really cool. Uh, so that's the the honey that we're talking about here: milk, goat milk, and date honey. Anyway, uh, it does. It says, "And this is its fruit." They say, verse twenty-eight. But the people that dwells in the land, uh, in the land is powerful. Um, the cities are fortified and very great. We also saw there the offspring of the giants, or the giant, it says. Verse 29, Amalek dwells in the area of the south. The Hittite, the Jebusite, the Amorite dwell on the mountain. And the Canaanite dwells by the sea and on the bank of the Jordan. Since Caleb, uh, oh, sorry, Caleb silenced the people toward Moshe and said, We shall surely ascend and conquer it, for we can surely do it. Oh Caleb, I love him. Verse thirty one. But the men who ascended with him said, and here's here's the passage that that gets me, the Basuk that gets me. He says, We cannot ascend to that people, for it is too strong for us. They brought forth the children of Israel an evil report on the land that that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have passed to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. All the people we saw, all the people, right? All the people we saw in it were huge. Here we go. Verse 33. There we saw the Nephilim, the sons of the giant among the Nephilim. And we were like grasshoppers in our eyes. And so we were in their eyes. Hmm. So again, like this portion, there's a thousand different topics we could have talked about. And even within the the spies and the report and all, there's still a hundred other things we could talk about uh, in the midst of this. We are definitely not going to talk about the Nephilim. You're welcome. Um, but I do want to talk about this last phrase of the first 33. We were like grasshoppers in our eyes, and so we were in theirs. I think this is so interesting, and it was so interesting to me as a 16, 17-year-old reading it for the first time. Um, because... It's such a window into the thought process, the understanding um, and and just the psychology kind of of what's going on here and what's happening in the nation as a whole right and so so there's some interesting things I want to point out about this, and then in the next segment, when we get to it, I, I want to talk about us and a, a particular Uh, a particular way of thinking that many Christians, many Torah believers have that I want to challenge and not challenge like belligerently or militantly, but that I want to um, ask you to consider. We've talked about it a little bit before, but I think this is the time to really kind of bear down on it and, and, and look at it again. So, I, one of the most interesting things that I find about this phrase we were like grasshoppers in our eyes and so we were in their eyes and different translations say it a little bit differently but it, it's the same kind of thing is you would expect them to say um we were like grasshoppers in their eyes and so in our eyes as well right or I, I, I reading it I would expect them to to say well you know compared to them we were small and so we felt small you know what i mean we looked at them and they were huge and then we looked at us and we were tiny we are we seemed tiny it, it just didn't seem like there was you know there was any way to make this thing work but that's the that's a different that's different than what it actually says it says first that they were like grasshoppers in their own eyes and so in their eyes so there's a, there's, again, I may be making too much out of this, but this really, really speaks to me because there's a difference in, uh, in looking at other people and looking at circumstances and looking at life and challenges and, and all these things and the things that are around us affecting how we see ourselves, that that's one thing, Right. Um, we all in our lives, we have, you know, we're around people or whatever that we're intimidated by maybe that, you know, have, have big personalities or they're really talented in an area. And we we're affected by that when we look at them and we, you know, we look and we kind of compare and go, okay, well, you know, they'll probably get the position because A, B and C, or, you know, they, you know, they got put up for this job or that job or, you know, whatever. Um, because, because of this and, and it can make us feel inadequate or insecure when we look at them and then look at ourselves and we kind of put all of the, everything on the table. Um, I know we're talking about comparisons and we're not supposed to do that. And and we'll mention that next segment, but this is a different thing. Again, this is that they, they had an issue. It seems like with the way they saw themselves first. And then they projected that image onto the inhabitants. Um, It seems like they saw themselves in a certain lens. And so they assumed that's how they would be seen by the inhabitants. They talk about the, you know, they say that everybody there was huge. Well, that's not the case because they specifically mention the Nephilim and the, you know, but then they also mention Amalek and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Canaanites. And those were not giant people as far as we know. Um, so it's not that everybody in the land of Israel, or even if they were, not everybody in the land of Israel, it- it's not a land of giants, right? Um, and so there, there's that. But then there's also this this thing where they have huge walled cities, right? And we have the story of Jericho, which in our minds and according to like Sunday school material and cartoons and Bible cartoons, Jericho is this massive walled city, right? Um, And yet, archaeology and history tells us that actually Jericho is about the size of two city blocks, (laughs) which blew my mind when I first learned that. Jericho is about the size of two city blocks. So there's a lot of psychology going on here. There's a lot of stuff happening here that I I just think is really interesting. And uh, so we're going to talk more about it in the next segment. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Hey, ladies and gentlemen welcome back to the second segment in this episode of image bearers radio we were talking about uh parsha Shelach. We we're in parsha Shelach uh, again for those of you you may be in Korach. you may have done done Shilach last week and go like you're a week behind um and i would say no actually you're a week ahead it doesn't matter uh but just do different schedules no no problem we're, we're both reading the parsha every week together um and so we're talking about the kind of the psychology of the grasshoppers in Parsha Shalak. No, not the ones you eat, but the identification of the spies. And I, again, this, I, I, listen, I understand that this may be really interesting for me because of my own issues. Right? And you guys know that I am not scared at all to be really, uh, really transparent and say, hey, I got issues. You got them too. You know what I mean? Help me with mine. I'll help you with yours. And, you know, where I work on me, you work on you and we'll help each other and it'll be all good. Um, so, But I think it's I think in, in religious circles, especially in Christianity and Protestantism, that's the world I know. Um, I know that, you know, insecurity, mental health, all that kind of stuff has we haven't done a really good job about if not fixing it or treating it or you know at least just being open about it and being aware about it we've not done a good job uh with that so i i i try to be I'm probably too transparent at some points but this this concept and this verse uh this phrase in this verse really lands for me it really it really does something to me so um i i want to talk about it and and i want to talk about a couple, couple different ways So the first thing I want to talk about is kind of where we left off in the last segment. So I am – I have done a lot of work personally, read a lot of books, listened to a lot of experts, uh, et cetera, et cetera, um, as far as personal development because – um, I naturally deal with a lot of insecurity. I naturally deal with depression, anxiety, blah, blah, blah. We've talked about all this stuff before. Not the point of this episode. We, but I naturally deal with a lot of, of things. I, I, you know, And so uh, I – but I grew up with – even in the Baptist church or Charismatics or whatever – Where, you know, people telling me that, you know, well, that's because of a lack of faith and that, you know, it's because you don't believe God or you don't trust God or you don't know who you are in Christ. Here, read these Bible verses. Here, pray in this prayer line. Ooh, this prophet's coming. Let him lay hands on you, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And um, and none of that stuff, quote unquote, worked um, you know what I mean? I know it's kind of heretical feeling to say that, well, reading those verses of promise didn't quote unquote work, but they didn't. I still felt inadequate and insecure. And, you know, uh, there's a, a term that I love, imposter syndrome, right? Uh, where somebody, you know, you're in a position, but you don't feel like you deserve to be there. You have a ministry. Maybe you have a calling, you have a, uh, you know, something and you don't feel like uh, you have the right to be there because you 're not as talented as good as whatever it 's imposter syndrome uh, musicians have it artists have it i mean everybody has it to a point uh, in every sector or in every field you know it 's a thing and um so there 's all these there 's all these things and so when I read scripture i i 'm tuned in to that part of the story. I may not catch all the dates I may not catch all the chronology I may not catch the um, you know all the the details, but i 'm really tuned in to kind of what 's happening psychologically, emotionally, motivationally mentally, whatever because uh, that 's kind of the world I live in in my own head, and we all read the scripture through a, a different filter and voice, and to say that we don 't is is lying to ourselves so uh, that that 's kind of how I read it and and so that really sticks out to me um, so we we deal with different things different ways and and especially like I said in the, the first uh, segment, I'm trying not to repeat everything I said, but there's, you know, there are legitimate, um, legitimate times where we, where we go like, oh, this is overwhelming. Um, but as I was saying before, I've worked really hard in the last several years um, to build myself up to, to build my strength, my endurance, my I mean I mean mental and emotional uh, to, to study, to know what I believe and why, or at least to know, um, what I believe right now and why I believe it. But also understanding there are other things out there that I haven't considered before. There are other people out there that I haven't met that have a different take on such and such or this or that. Um, but I've said for a long time to myself, you know, just said to myself for a long time, I want, my goal is to be able to if, if I'm going to participate in Tikkun Olam, if I'm going to be an image bearer, and I'm going to partner with Hashem, partner with Messiah, uh, and, and be be empowered by the Ruach, by the Holy Spirit, to uh, help into Tikkun Olam and to, to you know, build the kingdom here on earth, if that's what I believe I'm supposed to do, and that's what I believe all of us are supposed to do, humanity— if that 's the case then i got to be i got to be stronger i 've got to be mentally emotionally yes physically but i 've got to be psychologically stronger and and more uh more balanced and and okay right and, and more okay so uh, i 've worked really hard on that and i 've worked really hard on uh on on you know like I said reading books and articles and listening to experts and stuff on on what that means so to say. Uh, to say that to look at a, a challenge or an upcoming situation uh, or a person that you 're having to deal with and say that 's really overwhelming i 'm not sure i i 'm equipped to deal with that that 's one thing um, that is that is saying that 's a really big circumstance or, or you know a challenge that 's a mount that 's a heck of a mountain to climb um, And that's one. That's one thing. You can you can from there muster the confidence and the strength and the the courage um, to still tackle that thing from from there Um, because it's focusing on the size of the thing you're up against, the mountain to be moved, so to speak, right? The river to cross. It's focused on that thing, but you can, from there, you can stand back and muster the, the, the or you can you can find you can equip yourself better in order to handle it, you know, and and come out on the other side. That's one thing, and uh, and that's okay. The however, the the other thing is, um, I is what they say here. We're grasshoppers in our own eyes, and so we were in theirs also. That's, to me, that's almost like the definition of imposter syndrome, where I don't, I, the problem, the, the, the problem or the weakness then is the source is me. So in the first example, the, the source of things being overwhelming is that the thing that we're facing is just so big. In the second example, the, the, what makes things overwhelming is that we are so small. Does that, I'm trying to condense this in a way I got told by somebody the other day, hey, I'd love to clip out portions of your messages, but you start making a really good point, And then like 30 minutes later, you finish it up and I can't make a, 30, a 90 second clip. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry I ramble and do that. That's why I need, a, I need to find a co-host, guys. Somebody can keep me on, on topic. Um, but what I'm trying to say is that we, in, in one situation, the circumstance is really big, which, hey, you know what? Cool circumstances can be really big we'll figure out a way to get through it or to get over it or under it around it and and we'll make it happen right but if we if the problem is that we are really small there's no way to fix that other than to heal and to build ourselves up right and so this this lets me into a, a, a really a world lets us into a world of the spies and maybe the israelites as a whole And the question then is, why did they see themselves this way? Why did they perceive themselves this way? After all, I mean, let's just run down, I mean, it's not a comprehensive list, but let's just think about what all they've been through, right? So they were slaves, we'll come back to that. But they were delivered through miraculous plagues. They were kept safe through the plagues that destroyed Pharaoh and Egypt. And then they were led out by a mighty hand. They were led out miraculously as they walked on dry ground, the scriptures tell us, through the reed sea. They are provided for water from a rock. They meet the creator of the universe on a mountain, Sinai. Um, they're given quail. They're, I mean, they are taken care of. miracle. They're led around by a pillar of fire and a pillar, a pillar of cloud. I mean, just miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, and yet they go like, "Mm, this God, maybe he's the king, whatever, but we are still really small. And I want to say that I fully believe that this is an epidemic in the life of Messianic and Christian believers today. I believe this is an epidemic. Um, This is... We're gonna come back and revisit this in a few weeks. Um, because I there's some folks I want to talk to about it and maybe even have on, because I think this is endemic of where we are. That we serve we we understand maybe cerebrally the God we serve. We can read our Bibles and we see all the miracles. We can read about who he is and what he's done, and we can even read about how he's 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 dealt with and walked with and been faithful to people that are much worse than us, right? Have you ever, I mean, have you ever basically, have you ever pulled a King David and basically raped somebody and then had their spouse killed? I doubt it. I mean, and God was faithful to David, and yet we struggle so many times with God's faithfulness towards us. Uh, we struggle, you know, with, with, is can God use me? Does God have a plan for me? Has God thrown me away? Is God tired of my shenanigans? When in reality... The vast majority of you that are listening to my voice and the vast majority, I would say, of, of, you know, faithful Christians, faithful, you know, Messianic Hebrew roots folks, is that we really live pretty good lives. And I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that good is the way to heaven. I'm saying that we live pretty righteous lives. And that's the whole point, Right. The whole point of biblical training and wisdom, the whole point of the Torah, is to get us to live righteous lives. <laughs> and most of us do that. Yeah, I mean, do we? Do we? Do we lie a little bit? Maybe. Um, do you know? Do we have an issue, a, a, an addiction? A cha- sure. Many of us may have you know things that we that can be fine tuned, and that probably if if Yeshua was walking beside us, he would probably give us like a. Mm, you know, kind of, could you do that a little differently or not do that at all? Sure, there's always those things. But on a whole, we need to to realize that for the very vast majority of us, and, and we need to tell our and remind ourselves, we are righteous people. So this leads me into the second part of this segment and what, and, and what I wanted to address. And again, we've thrown this out before. We've talked about it before. But why is... Um, why is this? Why do we struggle with this so much? Again, we have all the promises. We have promises recorded for us that these spies and the and the people of Israel didn't even have whenever they were standing there. Or at least it wasn't recorded that we know. It was told maybe orally, but you know of the promises to Abraham and and all of that. But we have we have a wealth more of information and prom and and we have more testimony of God's faithfulness than they even did. So where does this come from? Where does this inadequacy and this smallness in our own eyes, this invaluable nature in our own eyes come from? Well, in Israel's case, they had been slaves in Egypt. And the slavery in Egypt formed their identity. How is that so? Well, because Pharaoh determines your value and your worth when you 're when you're his slave in Egypt, and pretty much your value is based on how much you can produce it's based on how how effective you can be and productive you can be for the empire, and you are nothing more than a tool of production you are nothing more than uh you know a, a, a cog in the wheels of the empire of the the war machine and the empire machine making things run especially if you're a slave and so you you're all of your sensitivities your rights your you know anything towards you are can be and will be violated at any point if you are not valuable enough in in those in that way of defining value right and then Israel gets brought into the desert and courted by the God of the universe, the king of the universe. And he says stuff like, you know what? You're going to take a day off every week and you're going to rest completely. And go like, yeah, no, we don't do that. We, we work. That's what we do. That's, that's who we are. Um, we are defined by if we don't work, then we don't eat. And so there's all this baggage that they bring in, right? Because something had defined their uh, who they were. Now, I want to ask us what defines your value and your worth. And I don't, and I have a point here. Let me just get to it. I, in the last several years, have really begun to have some questions about the idea of original sin. And this, and we've talked about it a little bit, I've alluded to it a little bit on the program before. Um, Not to say I don't believe in original sin. But I have questions that I didn't have before, and part of that is just from living and wanting to believe that God is the God that he says he is in Scripture and that people say he is, good, merciful, loving, et cetera, et cetera. And some of it is from uh, seeing the way the Jewish people see God and see humanity and, and dealing with my own you know, ways of working that out. And so i don't want to lose you and I want to take anything from you, but I want to at least um, give you my experience and If this lands for you, great maybe it'll open up a new way of thinking or may give you something at least to explore give yourself permission to explore but the idea that I grew up with and i've I've lived with for you know almost forty years or forty years is the idea that I am when I am born, I am born in sin. And we get that from the Psalms from King David. Born in iniquity, right? Um, that I, But when I am born, sin is what I am, right? Sin is what I am. God, and God hates sin. I mean, you don't believe it. Sit in a Baptist church for three weeks. You'll find out how much God hates sin. And I just say that because that's my background. But I'm sure, you know, many churches... God hates sin. God hates sin. It's, it's visceral, right? And then we tell our children and we tell each other, you were born in sin. Well, this is not looking real good for for the story. And like, I don't, you know, I don't like where this is going, <laughs> where this is going. So for some people, this is really toxic, And I'm not trying to change scripture to help weak people or to help, you know, not to offend people. That's not what this is at all. I've lived through hell and back, okay, a couple different times. This is not for weakness. This is for truth and for trying to understand uh, really how God sees us and how we should see ourselves. Because if we continue to see ourselves as small, everything will defeat us everything will be bigger than us. But if we begin to see other things as big, but we can accomplish it and we can we can tackle it, we can get through it, we can succeed with God's help and an understanding of how he's he's gifted us and what he's done for us, that's a different story. And so the this this thing about original sin and, you know, just because I was born and I'm a child of Adam, the original man who screwed up and woman who messed up. Just because I'm born, when I breathe my first breath, I'm, I'm sinful and therefore separated from God because God hates sin. And we try to say, well, he loves you, but he hates sin. Well, that's hard for, for me to pull apart because if sin is what I am, if sin is what I am in my essence, then ipso de facto, God hates me. Right, and then we try to say, "Well, yeah, but up to a certain age, there's an age of accountability, and you know, if if you're below that age, you can't really be." Those those are dance. Those are we're dancing around the issues there. We're, we're we're muddying the waters, and so I was, you know, standing in uh, in the Shorshim shop uh, in the old city of Jerusalem a few years ago, Moshe Kapinski. Uh, two brothers that own Shurashim, uh, Dove and Moshe Kempinski. Moshe gives talks to all the groups that comes in. They're always fantastic. You could sit and listen to them all day. And he says, the difference between Christians and Jews is for Christians, sin is something you are. And I went, yep, that's what I've been taught. And he said, for Jews, Christ, uh, sin is something you do. And I went... I've never heard that before never considered it was the moment where I had permission to consider something different because the story is that we are you know we are sinful whatever but and so we need Jesus we need Yeshua because he paid the price for our sin which I believe and he's the ultimate you know he gave the ultimate offering of his life I believe that on a cross and he died a despicable horrible awful death um, in my place. Okay. I believe that. Great. And, but the, the story I always got was that you need Jesus. Great. Okay. I have, okay. I'm going to give my life to God. I'm going to be born again. I'm going to pray the sinner's prayer, all that stuff, be baptized. And it's like, yeah, now that you have Jesus, they throw another verse at you from the prophets that all your righteousness is as filthy rags. Well, what the heck, man? I so can I do righteousness or not? Like what's the story, right? What can I ever just can I ever be confident? Can I ever be okay just saying like, you know what? I'm a good person. And it be it not be an assault on the sacrifice of Yeshua? You know what I mean? For those of you that grew up in, in church, maybe, you know, maybe you understand what I'm saying. Or maybe I just grew up in a really, really toxic place. Although I don't think so. I think it's just really mainstream. The, or was mainstream. This thing about, like, you can't, you couldn't even, you didn't have a permission to to think, like, no, I'm a decent person. And that's okay. That's okay. The, the, the whole point of Yeshua coming and dying for us and then sending the Spirit to empower us was so that we could be good people we could be righteous people <laughs> it's, yeah this make this subject makes me so crazy and i love moshe's statement that sin is not something you are sin is something you do so how do you stop sinning and offending god you just stop it <laughs> and i know it can be more complicated than that surely and for some people, it is. And for some people, they go to their graves not being able to stop something that offends God. It is what it is. But this idea that our identity, this, this the way that original sin has been taught, again, I, I, I'm, still, I'm still doing my homework on it and what I, kind of where I'm going to land on it. And what I think about it, which doesn't matter anything to you, it's my opinion and where I am, but I just want to open the conversation and, and maybe give you permission to kind of think about what you think about it. But for me personally, and I'm speaking from my my experience and my experience right now, is that this has – this idea has caused me to say I am very small in my own eyes. And so I'm also small in the eyes of God and in the eyes of people and in the eyes of circumstances. And in every situation and circumstance around me, everything in life is overwhelming, not because it's overwhelming, not because it's really big, but because I see myself as really small because all I am is this sin sick thing. Like, well, you yeah, now you have Jesus. Uh, yeah, but God still doesn't really like you because remember, he still hates sin and all of your righteousness is still filthy rags. And again, I'm like, well, okay, then wh- why? how do I get myself out of this? And I think a lot of people are in that predicament. Even if we don't think about it, I think if we were to be honest, we there's a lot of people that struggle with this thing, this toxicity, and it keeps us paralyzed, and it keeps us from moving forward in our relationship with God. We hit a ceiling keeps us from moving forward in in things God wants us to do and things we want to do. You know, we feel guilty for having desires of our own. When the scripture tells us God gives you those desires, he will give you the desires of your heart, you know? Ah, man, there's so much toxicity there, and I think it's something that we need to talk about and explore. So, I am on a journey to explore a little bit more, and I want you to come with me, and I want you to think about it, and I'd love to get some comments and questions and have some conversation uh, in the comments on Hebrew Nation's website and the archives when this is posted. Uh, but for now, just know that you're not grasshoppers. You're not gra- Don't be small in your own eyes. Be the man and woman of God, the image of God. Until next week, guys, I love you. Shalom, shalom.